Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It is good to be with you all this morning. Um, I thought of a few, a few ways that I could sort of set up today. And uh, Seth wanted me to wear my Christmas suit. It is bright red and has all of the, I don't know why, but he thought that would be funny. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. But we were talking about it, and the reason I was going to maybe dress a little different than I, than I normally do is to let you all know that I'm still the same Levi. I know there's been, there's been a lot, I might, it, it might look different in here, right, but it's still the same church, still the same pastors, still the same everybody. It just looks a little different. So that was the point I was going to make, and I didn't think that would be a good one. So rather than, than dressing different, to remind you, I know we've got a lot of questions of people like, are you going to preach on the stage, or are you going to preach down on our level? And I know I'm up here, right, and that, that maybe makes some people uncomfortable, but you need to know I'm still the same Levi. I am a brother in Christ who is on your level. I am not above you. No preacher, no, no person up here is above you, even though physically we are now a little bit higher, right? So to make that point, I thought there would be no better way to start off this morning than to tell you all a few dad jokes. Yes! I'm excited you're not. Perfect. I love it. See, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. There was a dinner plate the other day. Took another dinner plate out for dinner. And he said, tonight, dinner's on me. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Did you guys hear there's a concert up in Detroit? Concert tickets cost 45 cents. 50 cent is the main artist featuring Nickelback. Oh, so good. <laughs> There's an old guy the other day. He's walking out of his field. He fell into a well because he didn't see that well. <laughs> you see, same old dad joke Levi. Same, same guy, just up uh, a couple inch inches higher. All right, let's actually get into something that matters this morning. Let's get into the gospel. Before we do that, I just want to say thank you again to everyone. Thank you for your graciousness in the process of the transition and for giving and for serving and all of that. I can't say thank you enough. I appreciate you. Um, your service to this body is a service to the Lord. When you give, you're not giving to this church per se. You're giving to Jesus, and hopefully the leaders are using those funds to maximize them for impact in the kingdom in Henry County and throughout the world. So thank you. Now, if you were with us last week, you'll know that we jumped out of the Roman series to jump into another series asking the question, what is the church? That's intentional. As we said, we spent a lot of time focusing on this building, which is important. That's been good, right? We needed to do that, but last week we talked about how it's kind of like sharpening a kitchen knife. When you have dull knives, you can do the job, but you just can't do it as quickly or as efficiently, and so sometimes you've got to take some time to sharpen your knife. We've done that here with our facility. We're trying to sharpen the ministry tool that is our building. And so we put a lot of focus on the building. But again, like I said last week, the church is not a building. The church is not a building. And that is the reason why we're jumping into this series, asking the question, well, what is the church? If it's not a building, what is it? And then when we have seasons of chains and shifts like we're going through right now, we can be tempted to forget who we are. That's true at a, at a corporate level. That's true personally. When we have any time there's a, a change or a shift, we can be tempted to lose focus and to forget who we are. And so the hope through the next two weeks is to reset our focus and remind us who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. 
Again, from last week, I'll remind you that we looked at a really short verse in Philippians 5, or Philippians 2, verse, verse 25, where Paul's writing to a man named Epaphroditus. He gives us kind of three metaphors in this short little verse when he refers to Epaphroditus. He calls Epaphroditus his brother. The church is a family. He calls Epaphroditus his co-worker. It's an organization or a corporation. And lastly, he refers to him as my fellow soldier. That tells us that the church is an army with soldiers on a mission. With soldiers on a mission. And last week, we examined what it means for the church to be a family. We said the church is a community. It's a family that cares. This morning, we're going to look at the second metaphor that Paul uses and realize and, and refocus and understand that the church is also a corporation. A corporation. Now, I, I know that that word has kind of become a dirty word in our culture, right? Especially the young people. Nobody likes that word corporate. We hate corporations. They're the worst. Down with the man. Everybody gets excited and all the systems and the culture's crazy about corporate America and corporate greed and corporate whatever. And so when I say the church is a corporation, that might not sit well with some of you or maybe most of you. And I appreciate that, but I want you to know, and I hope you'll see after our time together this morning, that this is not a dirty word. This is not a dirty word, and I hope you will begin to understand that Crossroads, as a local church, we would be well served if we begin to see ourselves not just as a family, but also a corporate uh, structure or a corporate system. It would be helped to understand that so that we can function well as God desires. So I want to help you a little bit with that word, corporation. We'll do a quick word study, which I know sounds super boring, but just bear with me for a second. The word corporation comes from the Latin root corpus. Corpus, have you heard the word corpse, right? Corpus, corpse, same thing. Latin root, it means body. It means body. More specifically, I don't know Latin, but I know how to Google. So I Googled this, and this is what it came up, right? So don't be, don't be impressed. I don't know how to conjugate verbs in Latin, none of that stuff. This is my extent of Latin right here on this screen. This is what I know. We look it up, and it says the, the word for corporation, the word that's translated as corporation, from the Latin is actually a word meaning corporare, which apparently means to combine in one body, to combine many parts into one entity or one body. And so when we talk about corporations, what we're really talking about are organizations or organisms, one unit, an organism, an organization. We're talking about a, a group of businesses or a group of people combined together into one body. And when we start talking about this, hopefully if you're familiar with the scriptures, even just a little bit, you, you'll begin to have some pop into your head and understand that, that this idea of the church being a corporation and the church being a body is actually kind of sprinkled all throughout the scriptures. When Jesus tells parables about managers or servants, or there's a, a vineyard owner who's stewarding the vineyard, right? There's all of this imagery about managers and servants. When we hear the word ambassadors, Jesus is thinking of his church as a corporation or a body with many parts. A body with many parts. Now, if you're like me, when you hear that phrase, you might go directly to one passage of Scripture that uses that exact phrase, a body with many parts. 1 Corinthians 12. Paul tells us here that the church is a body with many parts. It's a corporation. So I want to look at that with you. Before we jump into the text, I'll just kind of give you the big idea for this morning. Here's what it is. The church is, a, is one body 
with many parts designed and organized to function well. That is one of the windows that we need to see the church out of. It's a family, and it's also a corporation, a body with many parts designed and organized to function well. So let's read about this from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 31 together. I'll be out of the, NIV, or the NLT this morning. Paul writes, he says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, oh, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, and those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And those of you who would like to keep reading later will know that immediately following this section, this chapter, is, is the next chapter, which is 1 Corinthians 13. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard it. It's called the love chapter, and so he shows us the best way of all, it's love. Okay, so in light of this passage, I'd like to take our big idea statement and kind of just break it down together. What does it mean for the church to be a body of many parts designed and organized to function well? Firstly, as verse 12 tells us, the church is a body. It's a body. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. He tells us we're a unit, we're an organization, we're an organism. The church itself is a living, breathing body. It's a living, breathing body composed of many parts, just like your body. 
For sake of time, I didn't read the first 11 verses in chapter 12, but if you would go back and flip and, and see that, you would see that this diversity, this, this many parts, this diversity that God has put together is, is in fact designed by God. In verse 4, 7, and 11, we see that the Spirit of God is the one who has created this diversity. It's by design. It was his intention. He gathers different people from all walks of life, and he gifts them as he chooses with all kinds of different spiritual gifts. And then he tells us in verse 7, he tells us that he does this so that we can help one another. Again, we're better together. We, we don't live alone in isolation. He's crafted us together as a body. So we can see that here the church is a body of many parts. And then if we continue with our big, big idea sta- statement, it's not just a body with many parts, it's been specifically designed and organized in a certain way. In a certain way. God tells us that there is a purpose and a plan behind this diversity of gifting and diversity of peoples that he brings together. Again, if you look at your scripture, you can see verses 11, 18, 24, and 28. Verse 28 specifically tells us that God designed the church to be made up in this manner. He crafted and placed all the individual parts. Look at it. Verse 11, he says, The Spirit decided how to distribute the gifts. It's God's role. We can pray for the gifts. He says, eagerly desire the most helpful gifts, but no, the Spirit blows however he wants to choose, and he's going to gift people in different ways. That's by design. He he tells us also in the next verse that God has put each part just where he wants it. I love that. He has you here for a reason. He has you in this place for a reason. He's placed each part just where he wants it. God has put the body together, the next verse, then the last verse, verse 28. God has appointed, he's placed specific people with specific gifts for for use in his church. And then he lists all of them for us, the apostles and prophets and teachers. And it's it's not an all-encompassing list, it's just some of the, the gifts that he's given to the church. Now, if we stop right there, I would be super encouraged this morning. Because it means that there is a rhyme and reason to what at times feels like to me a little bit like chaos in our corporation of Crossroads, right? We we are a very motley crew of people. I've made this joke before, but I mean it. We are a mixed crew. If we were a dog, we would be a mutt. (laughs) We would, right? We're a strange group of bedfellows. There's, there's, it's just a crazy mix. I tell people we're as diverse as Henry County is diverse, which admittedly maybe isn't like ethnically as diverse as some other places in the world, but we've got people from just about every denomination represented here, right? People from, we've got Methodists and Lutherans, Presbyterians, we've got Catholic people, we've got Mennonites, we've got people from, from every Christian group and denomination about represented by you all. That's awesome, I love that. We've also got some people that are coming out from outside of the religious community. We've got some people that used to be atheist. We've got some people that used to be agnostic. Agnostic is a fancy word that basically means, I think that there is a spiritual power, but I can't know him or her or whoever it is. Right? There's some force out there, but we can't. We've got people coming from that walk of life. We've got conservative people here. We also have liberal, liberal people here. We have Democrats and Republicans and any mix of craziness in that politics. We've got all of that. We also have people coming from addiction backgrounds, recovering sex addicts, recovering alcoholics, recovering drug addicts. We've got folks that are married. We've got folks that are divorced. We have single people here. We have young and old, rich and poor. 
weak, and strong, it is crazy how diverse we are. And at at times, you may wonder, because of how diverse this place is, you may wonder, well, how do I fit here? Or, if you're like me, you may wonder, how in the world do we get all of these people to love one another? How do we get all of these diverse backgrounds, how do we get everybody together as a cohesive unit? And these verses, when I think about that, they encourage me like crazy because they remind me that I don't have to worry about that. This is actually God's work. This was by his plan, his design, and it's his work to bring about unity within all of the diversity that exists here. He will bring these various parts together just as he has been doing and he will continue to do so until Jesus returns. And he will put every part just where he wants it even if sometimes you or me or others may question, are you sure? You sure you want that part there, right? God's in control. He's got it. You need to know, as we're talking about this, that if I lean towards any metaphor, right, in family, corporation, community, corporation, or cause, the corporate side of things is kind of how my brain works. I love the church as a family, all about fridge friends. If you don't know what that is, listen uh, to the last message. We love fridge friends here, right? All about family. I love that, and I recognize we have a cause. There are lost people that need to be found and found people that need to be set free by the gospel. I get that, but when my mind, when I default to a metaphor of the church, I think in corporate structures. And what I mean by that is I lose sleep, not a lot, but I think and worry about how are we gonna make all of this work? Who, who do we need to have in the right place? I think in structures, I think in organization, in systems. I'm the one that's usually asking the question, that's a great idea. How are we going to do that? That's a great idea. How are we going to pay for that? that? That's where I go to. That's my default. In structures and systems of the church, that's what I think about, and that's the, that's the body or corporate side of things. And so this chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, it's a great help to me. It reminds me that we are a body made up of many parts, designed and organized by God. And what that tells me is, you don't have to worry about the plan, necessarily, because it's God's job. Now, we can lean into that, but I don't have to come up with the plan. I don't have to worry or fret. This crazy diversity, this was all God's doing, and he promises to help us function well. Now, if you're like me, if you think about, well, okay, that's nice. He promises to help us function well, but... What exactly does that look like? And that's where, that's where my mind goes. How should we organize? How should a church function? What should our government look like? How many boards and budgets and all? Like, what does that look like? The rest of the chapter outlines for us that in a little bit more clarity. Here's what I want you to know here. There's not specific, this is the right method or model or church government structure in this passage. But what Paul does give to us are kind of organizing principles or guidelines that we should keep in front of us as we think about the structures and organizations of the church. And so we're going to read through this. Again, this isn't a specific method or church government system. These are general operating principles that we as a local church, these are the things we should hold up and hang on to as we try and work out what part we play, what function we have within the corporate structure of the church. So firstly, verses 14 through 21, it asks us to remember as we're thinking about the body of Christ and the church as a corporation, one of the governing principles that we should lift up and set before us always is this. We need to remember that everyone here is equal in value, 
but we all have different functions. Equal in value, but different function, okay? Paul uses the metaphor of a body to make this point. He says that in a body, no part is better or worse than another. We, we need every part. Every part is vital and needs to be functioning how it's supposed to be functioning if the body's supposed to be helpful. That teaches us that we're all equal in value, but we all have different functions, and we shouldn't judge each other or think poorly of another or think poorly about ourselves in regards to that. He tells us that we, we need to remember and, and not get jealous. As we look out at, at people who have a different part to play within the body, we, we can't compare ourselves to them. Maybe God doesn't have us, he doesn't want us to play that part. At times, we look out at gifts of another person in our body, and we think, well, if I'm not them, and I can't do what they do, then, then I'm not an important part of this body. Paul says, no, that is stinking thinking. Don't ever think like that. You are all equal in value to the Lord, to your local church, but you may play different functions. To put it positively, Paul's essentially saying here, each of you matter. Each and every one of you matter, and all of you are needed, and God has you here for a purpose, not all of you will function or serve in the same place or in the same way, and that is by God's design. That is intentional. So don't ever think, I'm not valuable because I don't do what the pastor does or I don't do what so-and-so does. Don't ever think that. That's not true. You matter. You're needed. God has gifted you in a certain way, and your gifts are vital to the health of this body, this corporation. And by way of application here, just let me ask you or invite you, if you don't know what your gifts are, make it a priority to figure it out. And not just figure out how God has gifted you and wired you, but figure out how does he want me to use those gifts here, locally, within his church. Now, this is one of the things I'm most excited about, about our new facility, as we add some more classroom space. I'm hoping to add a class about spiritual gifts, where we can help you do an inventory and kind of figure this out, and not just say, what am I gifted at, but how can I use these gifts at Crossroads? What's my part? What's the part that God has for me to play in this body? So we'll come alongside you in this, but again, let me encourage you to work on figuring out what your gifts are, and then put them to work here. We need you. You're needed, you're valuable, you're important. But along with that, so we hold this up, right? Equal in value, different in function, right? Figure out our gifts. We hold this up as a guiding operating principle. But alongside with that, Paul comes on the flip side of that coin. He says, you matter, you're valuable, but you're not that important. You're not that important, right? Paul says, one guiding principle for a body to function well is to recognize that you matter. God's placed you here to play a part but on the flip side, he says, stay humble. You don't matter that much. In the same way you shouldn't be jealous of other people's gifts or the parts they play here, you also shouldn't think of yourself or the part you play here more highly or more highly than you ought to, right? So we don't, don't be jealous of the eye. Oh, I can't see. I'm not an eye. Don't be jealous of the eye, but also if you're the eye, don't, don't say, well, I'm not a nose. I don't need a nose. They're not as important as me. Folks, if you've ever thought, this place would just be a lot better if people just thought or behaved like me. I'm, I'm not the only person that's thought that, right? You've all said it. I've heard it. I've said it. Man, this place would be a lot better if everybody just thought like, right? That's what Paul's saying. Guard your heart against that. Guard your heart against that. You might have an awesome part to play. You all have an awesome part to play, but stay humble. Stay humble. God has this diversity and the different parts all here for a reason. 
So don't look down on anybody else. Don't, don't get a big head. Paul says, how silly would it be if a body were just an eye? That, that would be silly, right? How silly would a body be if it were just a nose? You matter, but not that much. You're valuable. You're needed to do the part God has placed you here to do, but don't get a big head. If it's God who's gifted you. He's the one who's gifted you. I feel like he's given me the gift of gab. My parents will tell you that hasn't always been an awesome thing, right? There's a, there's a shadow side to that. <laughs> always having to have the last word. But any gift that I have or you have, it's, it's from the Lord. He gets the glory. If he's not involved, I'm nothing. I can do nothing. And the same goes for you. It's all about Jesus, folks. So guiding principle one, number one, you matter. You matter. We're equal in value to this body. And God has us here for all different functions, but stay humble. Along these same lines, Paul tells us in verses 29 through 31, he says, remember that God gifts people differently. Not everyone is an apostle or a prophet or a teacher. Not everyone has the gift of wisdom or discernment or healing. And not only that, he tells us this was by design. Look at verse 25. He says, God created this unity of differences, this diversity of gifts to create a harmony among the members. Do you know what harmony is? It's a musical term, right? It's a musical term where four or six people or a choir, they all come together and they have different functions and they sing different parts, but all of those parts together sound more beautiful than if someone just sang a solo. God says, that's my intention for my church. I want all of the parts coming together, functioning in their part, playing their part, just how I've designed. And when that happens, it will make a beautiful harmony that the world can see and say, wow, look at this place. Look at what God is doing. Paul says this unity of differences is meant to help us care for each, each, each other as well. Remember last week I said the primary way that God cares for his people is through his people. And here's, here's another guiding principle we can operate by, by becoming a healthy, or to become a healthier body. Celebrate our differences. Learn to celebrate our differences. Now this sounds really nice, but anyone who's married knows how insanely difficult this is, Right? You've been trying to do a project with your wife and you're just thinking, well, here, just measure this and you go to measure it and she has no idea where to put the tape measure and this is completely hypothetical, never happened to me, right? And then you get frustrated because she doesn't see things the way you see and you don't think you should have to explain it. You're so different. In those moments when we're operating with different genders, when we're operating with people that see the world differently, we can begin to get really frustrated and think, man, it'd be helpful if you just thought like me. But Paul is saying, no, no, in the corporation of God's church, one of the guiding principles is learning to celebrate our differences. Now, I'm not talking about differences in theology. The unity that we share is around the gospel of Jesus. So we need to be square on that. We need to understand who God is, what he says sin is, what, what he tells us who we are in Jesus, all that. We're square around that. But in everything else, Paul says, learn to celebrate your differences because you will be better for it the different perspectives and opinions coming together, people looking out this window and bringing what they see into this room and looking out this window and bringing what they see into this room, it will help us make a better strategy, make a better plan because we have more perspectives that we can do that. So learn to celebrate your differences as frustrating as that can be in marriage or in the church. We need to learn to celebrate our differences when it's not a difference of theology. So be thankful that God has brought us together and all of these diversities together. Calvin said it this way. He said, in essentials, unity. 
in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. Lastly, from verses 24 through 26, Paul says we need to recognize that for this body to function well, we need to understand that we do not live alone in isolation, meaning you are not independent from this corporation. We are interconnected. He says if one part suffers, the whole church suffers. We grieve together. There's been a situation just this week that has been really sad, and I grieve with the individuals that are, that are going through that grief. And that said, there's been also some praises, some awesome things that happened. We celebrate those together. We are interconnected, not independent from one another. He says if you suffer, you all suffer. If one is honored, all parts are glad. Folks, if you've been found by Jesus, you are a co-worker, an employee in his corporation. God has placed you here with gifts that he expects you to use. He expects you to use your gifts so that you can help this body function and be as healthy as possible. His church is a body of many parts, designed and organized to function well. Now, in the close of last week, I talked about how if we just camp out on one of these metaphors and think the church is only a family, right? The joke last week was like, if we think the church is only a family and we focus on being a really tight-knit family, eventually we, we become kind of inbred, right? And that's a bad thing. We don't want that. So we've got to hold these all in tension. There's a danger if we think of the church just only being a corporation that we will be out of balance. You see, in, in a corporation, efficiency is king. Efficiency, productivity is king. And so if we get a group of people together that think the church, we just got to organize, we got to structure, what will happen is if you are insanely gifted and productive and efficient and healthy, you will be rewarded, you will be promoted, you will be elevated and status and all of those things. And the weak among us, the wounded among us, will be left behind, discarded, cut off, cut out, and we do not want that. And that is why Paul concludes this section in the way he does with verse 31. He says, listen, think about, think about the church as a corporation, but as you do, let me give you one last guiding principle. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. He says it's important to organize yourself according to God's design. Find your functional place, but let me leave you with one last guiding principle for the corporation, the body of God's church. Love one another. Honor one another. And then he launches into the greatest chapter on love that has ever been penned. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not rude or self-seeking. It does not envy or boast. It is not proud. Folks, if you only remember one thing from today, remember this. Yes, the church is a corporate body. It's organized and needs to be structured in a certain way. Systems of the church matter. God designed this body with many parts and he placed them here for specific reasons. We're all equal in value, even though some of us have different functions from others. You matter, so find your functional place. But remember, you're not that important. Without Christ, none of us could do anything worthwhile in eternity. Also, as we learn to live in this corporate body, we should learn to celebrate our differences, united in Christ's salvation, but more than anything else, let's learn to put on love as our guiding principle for corporate structures. 
in this corporation of crossroads. Let love and honor be the chief organizing principle that guides you as we seek to help everyone find their part in God's body. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for creating such a diverse group of folks here. Lord, I praise you for the diversity of views that exists. Lord, I, I love being challenged by others to think differently about all kinds of different things. I thank you for even, even the way this has played out over the last several weeks, Lord, the, the different parts, each part doing their part to help us get a sound system up and technology and building and plumbing and electrical and everything that's had to happen. I praise you that, that there have been many parts doing their part here. I pray, Father, that you would help us never to think too highly of ourselves, but to learn to celebrate our differences, and I pray that you would help us find our gifts and to use them here to bring the lost into your kingdom and to bring greater freedom into each and every person who's been found by Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would bless this church, that you would continue to grow us, that you would help us make disciples who love you, and that you would make Jesus' name the name that we speak in the mountains or from the mountains in the streets. I pray that you would glorify yourself in this place, Lord, and that you would bring us joy as you do so. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.